one to seven. Will you flip there? I'm going to ask you a question. There? If someone came up to you and said, what does it mean to be a Christian? Think about how you would answer. Don't answer out loud, but what, what does it mean to be a Christian? Your answer is going to tell you a lot about how well you know Christ. I don't, I'm not saying whether or not you're saved. I mean, how well you know him for who he is. Maybe your first thought is it means to be saved. True. It means to be forgiven. True. It means to be righteous. True. These things are all true statements. But what is the, the, the most foundational marker of what it means to be a Christian? Here's what I hope you thought. It means to be a beloved child of God. Was that the first thing that came to mind? I am dearly loved by God. You see, if it's I'm forgiven, okay. If, it, if it's I'm righteous, okay. If it's I'm secure, okay. But I am dearly loved by God. Now you get how to labor as the Lord calls us to labor. Ephesians 5, verse 1, Therefore, be imitators of God as, anyone have a Bible in front of them? <laughs> Beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The sexual morality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. This text is marvelously encouraging and instructive. It can also be distorted, and it should not frighten you. Take it the wrong way, it's frightening. Let me look at this. Sexual morality, impurity, covetousness must not even be named among you. Let there be no filthiness, foolish talk, food, those which are out of place. For you know, be sure of this, if you're sexually immoral, impure, covetous, you have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. He's going to get you sucker. Now let's just qualify this. Do we have any, watch all the hands shoot up, not, any sexually immoral, impure, or covetous people among us? Just Ricky and Karan, let's pray for them. The rest of you, you're saved. Wait, wait, it doesn't talk about why. We'll get to the rest of you next week. But what, what, what these are, we'll get into this, but it's basically talking about lust and greed. Any greedy folk out there, any lustful folk, meaning seeking to satisfy the desires of the flesh, can we be honest? Y'all know it's still there, right? So you're not going to inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. But all, wait, wait, are you or aren't you? What, what's this text really about? And why does it say, beloved children, if Paul's then going to say, y'all ain't saved? <laughs> Seems like we got to connect this properly. You want to go for a quick walk through the text? How do we do this? Why do we do this? 
understand the lost can't do this. We'll talk about this in Sunday school as we get to the question of how do, uh, how do you put sin to death. Lost people can outwardly conform, but never for the right reasons. They, they, they can look purdy on the outside, but the heart still is off. The motives are wrong in why they're doing what they're doing. But the saved person can do these things. The saved person can actually not be sexually immoral, not be covetous, not be impure, not perfectly on this side of glory, but you can do this, and I'll show you how, and I'll show you why, and I'll show you why this text is a marvelous gift and an encouragement. But let me start by telling you what not to do. Don't, don't look at your desire to obey all the time and think if you're not obeying, you got a problem because you're not saved. Because when you don't desire, you're going to question and you're going to have problems and, and just stick with me. Don't just assume it doesn't matter and fail to obey and, and you're fine and it's irrelevant. No, no, no. Don't, don't use fear and shame in this conversation. You know, we're not, we're not going, Jerry, this covetousness is out of control. Knock it off or you're going to sit with Ricky and Karan. <laughs> stop it, stop it, or we're going to tell everyone exactly what we all know is going on. Fear. Shame. It doesn't work. It might for, for a minute, but eventually it falls apart because that's not what God intends. I think I read in verse 1, beloved children of God, or beloved children. Didn't, didn't that what Paul started? So, so let's understand. I, I don't want to soft pedal this. It, it talks about letting no one deceive you with empty words. I want you to understand this is true. Sexual, sexual, the sexually immoral impure or covetous will not inherit the kingdom of God. I, I want you to hear this very clearly. The sexually immoral, covetous, filthy talkers, foolish talkers, crude jokers, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a fact. Now, do you see a tension here? Because aren't you thinking, but wait a minute, I do that sometimes. So how do we find out who's saved? Stop doing it. <laughs> what, what do you do with that? How are you supposed to stop doing it? You know, it's a parenting technique. Knock it off. What's wrong with you? Right? That's why my kids are, are perfect. Look at how they sit orderly and, and they obey constantly. If you want to know what they're saying, they just be like, why they horribly with their dad's already. What it means to be a Christian, first and foremost, how God thinks of you first and foremost, regardless of what you're doing, because we're saved. Remember Ephesians 1, 2, and 3? Remember 2 in particular? We're saved by grace through faith because we're good people who do the right thing and we earn God's favor by our obedience so he decided to love us. Isn't that functionally how we live? We're saved by grace, through faith, not by works, so that no one may boast. We've gone through three chapters of who we are, how we are, why we are, and the reality was we had nothing to contribute to it. We brought sin. God gave us grace and new life in him. 
We are first and foremost in the eyes of God, beloved children. God delights in us, the apple of his eye. All of us, I don't know. The saved of us, yes. How do we know if we're saved? We're going to see that in a minute. But understand, as those who are saved, the primary view of yourself should be God's delight in me. If that's not the first thing you're thinking, if that's not the starting point, the rest of this falls apart. It becomes terror. I I, 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 I got to do this. I, I got to stop. I can't sin. I got to obey God. Oh, my goodness, if I don't, what's he going to think? Does anyone sin? Does John say, if we say we are without sin, we deceive ourselves? As believers, when you sin, what does God think of you? So, so when I'm in that rare moment of sin, once every 10 or 12 years, you know, I, I confess when I was 30, I forgot to read my Bible on a Tuesday. When I forget to, you understand that's a joke, right? We're, we're sitting, so I want to make sure. When I'm sitting, when you're sitting with people, what does God think of us? How does he see us? When as a beloved child. Don't use that. As a beloved child. Doesn't mean he's like, no, he disciplines those he loves. But you're still a beloved child even when you sin. It's in that way that you're able to truly battle and combat and kill sin. Sin is serious. Sin needs to die. But we need to start with an understanding of who we are. Beloved children. Be imitators of God. What does that mean? Let there be light. <laughs> right? Like that? I rebuke Derek. That's like, this is what God does. I command you, Leah, to sit over there. <laughs> this is what it means to imitate God? I'm in charge. I don't think that's what it's talking about. Can we, can we agree on that pretty quick? That's not what he's talking about? Maybe we can think about a, a verse like 1 Peter 2.21 talking about Christ setting an example for us. What sort of example is Christ setting for us? Well, John 6.38, he came to do the Father's will in the power of the Spirit. So let us imitate Christ as he lived as an example for us, walking in the will of the Father in the power of the Spirit, loving others as Christ loved us. So we love God, we love others. As Christ loved us, we said another way, walk in love. Verse 2, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Think of this, fragrant offering, giving of self, sacrifice, dying to self. So we're living our lives in the antithetical way the world lives, the opposite of how the flesh desires. We're giving of self, we're dying to self, to the glory of God as beloved children. Here's how you do it. First step, are you ready? I can't. You with me? Love Rich Thomas said, I can't. Don't want to? Can't do it. Don't stop there. Step two, God help. I know you call me to, I know you enable me to, I don't want to, kind of Romans 7 in here. God help. Listen to God. 
Uh, wait, I, I can't. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, even love Rich Thomas Or said another way, y'all can even love me. I can't, Lord help, I can in Christ. On my own, I can't. On my own, I'm, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to do exactly what those who don't inherit the kingdom of God do. As I recognize why, as I recognize my sin, as I see the holiness of God, as I understand the requirement of the law, I cry out, God, help me, save me, make me new. And as he does, then I understand, I might not feel like I can, it will be a battle to, but I can do all things Christ calls me to through Christ who strengthens me. Y'all tracking with me here? So now we get to the warning. Let there be no filthiness, foolishness, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Ain't that the way the world works? You ever, you ever watch football? JJ brought this up when he was two. Why are those ladies wearing underwear dancing? <laughs> you know, the, the cheerleaders in football are not really about the players needing help. I'm just saying, advertising? You ever wonder why every movie has scantily clad women in it? They have no purpose to the plot, but, but it sure sells tickets. Filthiness, vileness, vengeance, hatred, crude joking. Now, now obviously when I joke, Jesus laughs. <laughs> crude joking, the word is interesting. It's talking about stupid, foolish joking. I, I'm sure we're all guilty of that. Basically, everything we're doing without thanksgiving is what we're called not to do. But we marinate in a world of complaining, criticizing, filthiness, crude joking, and, and sexual immorality abiding. And you know what we usually do with it? Remember last week we talked about an examined life? How often do we slow down and think about why we're consuming or doing what we're consuming or doing and how it's affecting us? Any of y'all ever go on Facebook, Instagram? Or Twitter. Just Ricky and Karam. Oh no, Barb too. Barb is the bad people. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Why? Don't answer the question. What's attractive about it? How does it affect you? What what if you really slow down, anyone have cable television? I, I knew a man. We didn't have cable television until a few years ago. It was amazing to me. Then you got cable television. They're like, what did you do that for? Actually, I do know someone else who technically, I'll keep it anonymous, doesn't have cable, but they do have cable. And so, so they could be like super spiritual, like I don't have cable TV, but they have cable TV in a roundabout way. And I think that's the way to do this as a believer. You kids. <laughs> to shut the TV off at 8 p.m. because HBO got sketchy. Any old people remember when HBO got sketchy at, at 8 p.m.? Jonathan, turn that off. You're not watching this nonsense. But, well, now I, I think HBO is just sketchy. And then it gets nasty sketchy or something. Like it, but it permeates, it flows, we marinate in this. And what we have to realize is, this is vile to God. Lust and greed are vile to God. Why are they vile to God? Because it's about possessing something that's not yours and doubting God's goodness and faithfulness and providing what you need. How do you see other people? What do you see other people as a means to an end, something to serve you, or image bearers made to be loved by you and loved by God? 
You see, we're living in an upside-down world, and God's putting us right side up, and what he's doing is giving instruction to the believers. Let no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. I am a professional complainer. Like, if you want to just listen to me go all day, no fetters, no, like just pure transparency. Whew, I've got a list of complaints I can give you. This morning, the stinking heater doesn't work, and then I got called a heating guy who overcharged us, so who am I going to call? What am I doing about that? Why can't I even have my coffee before something breaks? Why won't this dog do his business in like two minutes? I don't need him walking around the every tree. Why, why is this coffee taking so long? Who left the milk? I do want to know this. Who left a little bit of milk in the upstairs fridge so they didn't have to walk downstairs? I got a lot. It was you. Yeah, we, I'm coming down. There's like a spit of milk. Technicalities. If you finish the milk, you have to bring up the new milk. Knock it off! <laughs> I can go on and on naturally. My default isn't what Cam says. It's like, Lord, thank you for waking me up. Lord, th thanks for allowing Well, sh making this look good. Lord, thank you for allowing us dog. Thank you for a, a yard that they can run out in and do their business where I don't have to hold them on a leash. Amen. Mm. Lord, the milk ran out, but, but there's more milk. Why is my coffee taking so long? I have hot coffee in my house. Amen. The damper doesn't work, but it's warm down here. And, and, and why, why? This is not natural. That's not how I think. You better get that milk straight. <laughs> Because I'm paying for the milk, right? right. You see how we're, we're selfish? At least me. You see how it's all about me? It's my kingdom, my will, and my time, and you all must submit. This is lust and greed. Well, shoot, I think I might not be saved if I'm reading this the wrong way. What, what do I do? How, how do we stop? Well, we slow down and we remember Ephesians 1, 2, 3, and 4. Start with, who are you? Who is grumbling me? You're a beloved child of God, even in my grumbling. Amen. Even as I, I don't say good morning, God, right out of bed. I say, stupid dog, do your business, man. It's freezing out here. <laughs> Lady finish, she's all waiting by the door. Y'all running around trying to find deer that aren't there. Come on, man. I'm coming in the house and it's got feed now. i got to feed the dog. Amen. Oh, Rex got feed the dogs for you. Morning, God. Walk outside. Look, look at the trees God made. Look at the, the sky and the stars in the sky he hung there. Breathe the air that he made and the lungs he created and enabled me to breathe. And think about today, I get to gather with my brothers and sisters in Christ to be reminded of who God is and who we are. You, you see how there's a battle that takes place there? Yeah. But the battle begins by remembering who I am, a beloved child of God. It, it goes on to seeing sin for what it is and thinking about, thinking about and, and examining life. Why is it attractive? What is it in me that drives the troubles? Why, why, why can I get so annoyed at a dog for acting like a dog? We are, right? I was, I was made with, with the, the, the crooked bent of, of my great, 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 great granddaddy Adam. It's all about me. That dog exists to serve me. That, that coffee maker exists to serve me. We have children because 
Y'all know why we have kids, right? To serve us. My dad taught me this. I was born before remote controls. Turn the channel. Okay. Right? And now I give me a lemonade. Okay. Then you get your own kids. And then they mess with the milk and you got to correct some stuff. But how often as parents do we see kids as existing to serve us? How Existing to service. Let's keep going. How often, as believers, do we see the church as existing to serve me rather than me existing to serve the church? This is called a worship service. Huh? It's almost like we flip the whole script. Who are you? See sin for what it is. Think about lust and greed. In a hypersexualized culture, do you ever stop and think about what's so wrong with that? That, you know, that, that, that cheerleader at the football game, at the Eagles game, who's, I don't know, they're probably in their 20s, right? Isn't that somebody's daughter? Isn't that somebody's sister? Isn't that that's somebody's mama, maybe? That, that's not like going to Costco and selecting a piece of meat, but it's how the world consumes people, isn't it? It doesn't have to be a cheerleader. It can be an employee if you're a boss. You know that employee doesn't exist simply to serve you as a commodity. They're image bearers that if you're in Christ exist for you to love and care for. Yes, they work for you, but you need to see them as people, not things at your beck and call. How, how often do we dehumanize people based on lust and greed? How often do we see so many things in our life as existing for us and forget, again, Ephesians 1 and 2 and 3, that we are saved to see the truth, to know that we were made to serve a God who loves us and to serve others as he served or loved us. But yet as we live in the world, we so easily forget because we miss the fact that the call here is starve sin, feast on Christ. Starve sin, feast on Christ. Don't, don't go with starving sin to enjoy a little cheating on your sin to go back to starving. No, starve the sucker because when you see it for what it is, you should desire in the power of the Holy Spirit to turn and flee from it. Now look at this joyful encouragement. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, that's an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God and Christ. I've heard so many preachers, biblical preachers, spin this so out of context. They go, so I have concerns for the church. So many of you are just like this. You are sexually immoral, impure, covetous. That's an idolater. And you have no inheritance in the kingdom. Y'all need to examine yourselves. Because from what I see, a lot of you are going to hell. Now, let me qualify this. Some of you may be going to hell. I, I don't want you to think because you showed up to church, you got to end with Jesus. I want you to feel the weight of this. What, what do you do with this? I, I'm going to assume some of, you, some of you are covetous. Some of you deal with lust and grief. Do you know how to land that? First, may I ask the question, do you care? If you sit here and what you hear from me is blah, 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 blah. <laughs> And if you examine your heart and you don't even care to be here, you got dragged in because maybe your spouse told you to shut your mouth and get in the car. Maybe you just have to go through perfunctory motions so your kids will give you, or parents will give you fresh milk in the morning. I want you to hear, if you're listening for a moment, I want you to be a little bit unsettled. 
Because this is very clear. If you have no inheritance in the kingdom of God, you're a child of the devil, and hell awaits you for all of eternity. And you can say blah, blah, blah to me, but one day when you meet Jesus and go blah, 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 I don't think he's going to go, ho, ho, ho. Mm. Now that the world will tell you, oh, mock it, it's a joke. Look at that balding pastor. He's just mad about something. I'm not mad about nothing. I'm mad about things, but not this. What I want you to understand is God sees sin very uniquely. And Psalm 5 tells me God doesn't love the sinner but hates the sin. It says very distinctly, God hates all evil doers. Feel the weight of that. God loves everyone. We're all children of God. You heard that on the news. You didn't hear that in Scripture. God does love everyone in some ways. That's why if you don't love him and you're sitting here right now, he's giving you the opportunity to turn to him in love, his love. But God loves some people in all ways. We'll get to them in a minute. Feel the weight. God hates sin. If you don't care about your sin... Psalm 5, give it a read. I encourage you, read it before Jesus shares it with you in person. <laughs> but for those of us who have felt the weight of our sin, who have seen the reality of who we are before God and why Christ came and how he loves us and what he's done for us, be reminded of what you were. We're, we're, we'll go here in a minute, but be reminded of what you were. And then think of it this way. It doesn't say if you ever act in a sexually immoral way or an impure way or a covetous way, you have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. It doesn't say that, if you notice real closely. Everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is covetous has no inheritance. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon who? Sons of disobedience. Go back to verse 1. What are we? Beloved what? So it's almost like Paul's not saying, do this so you can be saved. It's almost like Paul's saying, it is, that Paul's saying, you're not sons of disobedience, guys. You're sons of God. This is how sons of disobedience live because this is who they are. You are not sons of disobedience. You may act like it at times, but knock it off. Because you are beloved children, sons of God, and dwelt by the Spirit, regenerated by the finished work of Christ. You are positionally perfect and righteous. You are set apart. So live like it because God has enabled you Two, do you see the distinguishing mark there? Amen. What we're being called to here is to be reminded of, a few, look, go back, if you will, to Ephesians 1.11. I'll show you this. It's magnificent. In 5, it's talking about, let no one deceive you with empty words. Be sure of these things. The wrath of God comes, comes on the sins of disobedience. They'll have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. But about three years ago when we were in Ephesians 1, look at verse 11. In him we have obtained what? Well, hang on a minute. See, there's a problem with with, with the way we Americanized people work in in small chunk fortune pieces. We don't remember Ephesians 1, 11 when we're in Ephesians 5, right? But if you don't remember Ephesians 1 when you're in 5, it makes no sense. They won't inherit, but 111 says, I've already obtained an inheritance. Look at 14. 
Who is the guarantee of what? Our inheritance. Look at verse 18 a little bit further. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glory, to glorious inheritance in the saints. Paul's point is not knock it off or you're going to be disinherited. There's no disinheritance. Paul's point is you have an inheritance. You're beloved children of God, so knock it off. Do you see the difference? You're not going to lose your salvation. You're called to live out your salvation, to work out. You know Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Do you know what that means? Let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean prove you're saved. It means what you are on the inside, live like it on the outside. Work it out. Work it from the inside to the outside. So what do you do? Slow down and examine your life. Don't misunderstand. This is not a call to cheap grace. This is not, well, pastor's saying it doesn't matter because I, I, I'm a beloved child of God and I'm eternally secure, so if I'm sexually immoral, I'm sexually immoral, but I'm forgiven. Now, careful here. <laughs> careful here. Come to Sunday school. We'll talk about this. If you're truly born anew, little by little, you will disdain sexual immorality and covetousness and lust and greed more and more because you'll see them for what they are. It doesn't happen instantaneously, and it doesn't happen the same way for all people. In progressive sanctification, big words, come and we'll, we'll unpack what they mean. But you will have a love for God and a love for others. Maybe just a little bit, but it'll be there. You will be different than you were before you were saved. You cannot keep on living like you were lost and claim you were saved because here's the deal. Salvation is not just about justification. Salvation is not about I'm righteous. It's not just about I'm forgiven. It's not just about I get to go to heaven. You missed the whole point. You are saved. For, I haven't said this in ages. We are saved. I stole this from uh, somebody. <laughs> I don't know who. I think it might have been Paul Washer, but I'm not sure. God saves us by himself, from himself, for himself. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone. We are saved from the wrath of God. And that's where most people stop. It's not the gospel. It's cheap grace. Because we're saved to God, as beloved children of God, to live for the glory of God and the power of God. We're whole, sanctified, hagios in the, in the Greek, set apart. We're saved to be set apart, to live as those who have been set apart. If I have no interest in knowing the Lord, if I have no interest in serving the Lord according to his word, if I have no interest in loving others, if I just see God as a means to an end to give me what I want, I want to be really careful. Because I got a half-baked gospel. Well, what do you do if you're in that position? Let me tell you what you do. Understand the, the other third of the gospel. Maybe you're saved and you just you got to conflate it, confound it. And you, so what do you do? Remember Ephesians 1 through 3. Do you see the love of God? Do you, do you see how much he loves us and what he's done for us and why he's done it and, and who we are? And I'm blanking in my head here. Somebody wants to help me. Is it 1 Corinthians 6? We were washed, we were cleansed, such were some of you. 
Well, let, let's have a look. If not, we'll edit this right out of the recording and no one will ever know that I tried to go off script here. You know better than God? 
Talking to believers, lost people forget it. Talking to believers. Where in our lives, when we slow down and think about it, are we actually seeing sin for what it is and why it's attractive to our hearts? You know why we care so much what other people think about us? And we all do, don't we? Do you know why? Because we forget what God thinks about us. If I truly understood how God sees me and what he thinks of me and who he is, what you think of me wouldn't matter so much. In fact, it would free me to love you as Jesus loved you because I'm not trying to use you for any sort of personal benefit of a attaboy even. But I already have that attaboy from Jesus' purpose. Amen. My friends, th this text is a call to holiness. Don't misunderstand. This text is a, a radical declaration of don't do these things if you're saved. Put them off. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. I stole that from someone. Dylan, who did I steal that from? Is it John Owen. John Owen. See, he's old, long gone, and dead. Be killing sin or, or sin will be killing you. It's true. This is necessary. There's a battle we live in the midst of. Again, Sunday school will pick up the logistics. But start with this. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. My friends, if you are in Christ, you're not a son of disobedience. You are a dearly loved child of God. That is the position we battle from. That is the joy which enables us to put off and put on. That is the vantage point from where sin becomes vile and obedience to God becomes the joy. Now, as you can see, i got to keep going from verse 7 to 21. So if you all want to get a second cup of coffee, I'm going to preach for another hour. No takers. We'll pick it up next week in verse 8, or verse 7, actually. Let's pray. Father, help us. For those of us who are saved, help us to see ourselves as you see us, as dearly loved children eternally secure, adopted by you with an inheritance that will never be removed, in a familial position that could never be lost, with an ability to call Yahweh Abba, Father. Lord, allow us to rest in that identity you have bestowed upon us, made us new in by grace through faith. But let us also understand the life you have saved us to. A life of joy, but a life of, of work. A life of offerings and sacrifices. A life of dying to self. A life of not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. A life by which you sanctify us progressively and cause us to become more and more like Jesus. Lord, help us to see the vileness of sin, even when from our perspective it can look so incredibly attractive. And to see the beauty of Christ and the gospel, even though at times they could look ordinary or not as wonderful as they should. Lord God, forgive us for the ways in which we have lived as the sons of disobedience live, even though we are not. Allow us to rejoice in the fact that you have forgiven us and will forgive us. 
but you also love us so much that you will not leave us to flounder by ourselves in our sin if we are yours. Holy Spirit, convict us of sin and cause us to delight and desire to flee from sin and to walk with you. Allow us, cause us, lead us in living our lives in ways that we're able to be cared for by brothers and sisters in Christ who can encourage us away, admonish us away, help us away from sin before we become cast in it. And allow us to love one another, to do the same, encouraging one another in the truth of the gospel, beginning with our identity in Christ. May we not simply declare rules to one another, but start with reminders of identity to one another. Lord, for any who are gathered with us who do not yet know you in a saving way or who may be listening, I pray that you would severely discomfort them in the comforts that they have in the fleshly manner so that they might find comfort and rest in you and you alone, Jesus Christ, the one through whom all of the desires of our heart are properly and fully met, the one who restores us as you've regenerated us to allow us to live the lives we were truly made to live, the one who loves us in a way that no one else will ever loves us, love us and will lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Lord Jesus, please become to us more and more magnificent so we delight in you more and more fully and find the joy that you desire for us there. To you alone, Lord Jesus, be the glory and dominion and power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, let's close with, and you can sing if we'll sing here, but let's close with, Immortal, invisible, God only wise, as we realize that one of the ways we battle sin and delight in holiness is by understanding God in fact is immortal, invisible, and wise.
We're going to uh, take communion. I'll close with a benediction. See, I want to have a source of my visuals are, are off this